Okay, a couple of logistical things. So we're, tonight is the first part of how to study your Bible. And um, tonight we are going to pack, it is going to be action-packed, full of information. Maybe some of you guys saw the tables over there. A lot of different resources you can use, tools, uh, other type of resources that will help you uh, as you learn to begin to study the Bible. We will be going through all that material. It is supposed to be an interactive class. I don't assume anyone here is at a certain point. If you have never bought a Bible, or, or, nor do you even know what type of Bible or what version to buy, this is the great place to ask questions and to begin to um, get started, okay? For those of you who are further along, ask your questions that are a little further along. We will try to answer everything tonight if we can. Um, if I don't know the answer, I'll make it up. And if, uh, if you're not buying that, then I'll, maybe I'll ask Pastor Paul or something. But um, I'm kidding, of course. Um, we should be able to get you an answer between most of the teaching team. And if not, we'll look it up ourselves, OK? So tonight is an interactive class. Here's the deal, though, ground rules. They, everything you say must end in a question mark, okay? We are, we're going to try to get a lot of stuff in here. So if you ask me something that's a question that's helpful for you to learn how to study your Bible, then that is very productive. If it doesn't have a question mark on the end, but it's just your opinion on something that you want to sort of let everyone else know that you know what's going on, that is going to slow us down. And so that's, this is not the night for that, okay? So I'm going to ask you to cooperate with me and only ask things that are actually questions and will be productive to um, where we're going, okay? Does that make sense? Everybody with me? You all agree to the ground rules. You sign on the dotted line. And you, um, under penalty of perjury, um, <laughs> all right. All right, so uh, you should have a handout. How should I study the Bible? All right, so um, we'll go through that. Um, also, uh, you should have a Bible, okay? I, I realize not everybody owns a Bible. That is why we provide some Bibles um, uh, for you. I'm going to try to stick scriptures up as we go along, but this is a class on how to learn how to study your Bible, so it's good to learn how to get around in your Bible. Some of us aren't even in the place where we know where the book is. This is the place to say, oh, 2 Timothy 3.17. I have no idea where that is. And the person next to you can help you find that. There's also a, a page right in the front of your Bible that tells you where, where all the books are. And you can go by page number for now. Um, and you can find 2 Timothy, and then you can chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. You'll get there, all right? So this is a good time to begin to exercise your thumbs and move around in your Bible, all right? We, as I said, we have loaner Bibles. If you didn't get one, pick one up in the back. They are just that, loaners. We want to be able to loan them again next week, which requires you to turn them back in at the end of the night. Otherwise, there won't be any loaners for next week, okay? Um, the resources on the table that we'll go through. Those are all, uh, most of those things I own, but you, the bookstore has a lot of them that you can buy. 
And we'll talk about different places you can buy uh, cheaper materials anyway um, online and stuff like that. So we'll go through all that stuff as we get going. But um, hopefully that, that covers everything. We're going to take a bathroom break. It's somewhere in the middle, short one, and then come back. Okay, here's my goal. My goal is to get through all of the sort of um, uh, training on what different resources, why study the Bible, how, how to study the Bible, different resources to study your Bible, interact, question, answer. And then next week, when uh, Kyle Dickinson comes up to teach a, a certain type of Bible study called the inductive method, you guys are going to have time to actually break into groups and we're going to give you passages and you'll try to look them up and study them and then we'll help you, we'll, we'll work with you. So next week is more uh, hands-on training of using what you learned tonight and what you'll learn in the first portion tomorrow, uh, next week. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so how should I study the Bible? Um, on page two... Uh, it says, memory verse, 2 Timothy 3.17, 3.16 and 17. Um, up here, two different versions. I'll read them both for you. Uh, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then in the NLT, which is a different version, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. So um, you can see... Uh, beginning, we're going to talk about versions in a little bit, but you can see how uh, the version you choose makes a difference. And some are a little uh, more ex expounding and a little more contemporary than others. And um, uh, we'll get into that. But for now, according to this verse, what does God's Word do for us when we read and study it? Okay. Anybody? It teaches us, okay? So A is it teaches us. It teaches us what is true. It teaches us to do what is right. Righteousness, obviously, is a word that uh, is a little bit um, more confusing than teach us what is right and wrong, right? But that's literally what righteousness means, okay? So it teaches us what is true, what is right. It teaches us how to live. The principles in the Bible are all true. And I can guarantee you this. Uh, I did not come into the Christian faith. Most of you know my testimony. I came here in my mid-30s, not a believer, never read the Bible, don't know, didn't know anything about God or His Word. And... It wasn't like overnight I accepted everything in the Bible as completely true and inspired by God. Um, God proved that to me as I began to read it and apply the principles that were laid out within. There is nothing in the Bible that when lived out will not produce fruit and blessing when it's followed. Okay? 
The Bible will prove itself because, as Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. And so the Bible is the same. It is, it is God's word. It is, there's nothing in God that is imperfect or um, somehow less than. Uh, it, it will prove itself over time. Okay? B, um, what else does it do for us? And um, in, we're looking at that word right there. Anybody? It reproves us. Anybody know what that means? It is a, it's kind of a form of con correction, but it's, it's more of a conviction, okay? The Bible will convict you. Uh, when we're going the wrong direction, it will let you know um, in a good way, this is probably not, not the right direction, and it has more to do with uh, sort of your conscience, okay? So... Um, studying the Bible should bring conviction upon us. Conviction agitates our soul when we're out of line with God's principles for, for right living, okay? The purpose of conviction is to help us. It's not to bring shame on us, to guilt us, to condemn us. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if we're feeling guilt, shame, and um, this kind of feeling where I want to give up and quit, that is not conviction, Okay? That's not the way God never belittles you into doing the right thing. Okay? Uh, some of us maybe had a parent who always tried to get us to do what was right by making us feel like this big um, about what we're doing. That's not the way God works. God convicts us. It's a drawing out. It makes us want to do better. It's like, oh, I know I'm doing wrong, but I want to do better. Okay? That's more what reproof is, okay? Uh, and then what you said uh, as the third thing right there, what does it do? It corrects us, okay? Um, it shows us how to get back in the, on the right direction. Uh, it corrects us of errors. All of us, no matter how long we've been following Jesus, have something in our lives or some, something in our theology that is not completely in alignment with what God wants. And um, fortunately for us, God is patient and he doesn't show us all those things at once. Um, he, over a lifetime, he will correct us a little by little. So as we move down the road, something that he had put up with earlier in your life, he may say, uh, time to let's time to address this. Uh, let's let's get this one cleaned up. All right. Uh, 4D. Um, what else does it do? It is. Uh, thoroughly equipped. I don't even see the word in there, but it has to do with this: that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped. And so the Bible trains us for life, okay? It trains us. Uh, it conditions our soul in the same way that exercise conditions our body. Uh, e, it matures us. It encourages us to grow in God. 
in, in the last word, that equipping word, it equips us. Okay, in, in the word, in the Greek, equipping literally means to mend. It's like a, it's a picture of a net that has a hole in it that somebody um, mends and ties, ties back the tie there so that the, the hole's no longer there. So the Bible equips us. It gives us tools to solve life's problems and to live a life that's pleasing to God. Okay, so now I've basically proved that the Bible is the Word of God by using the Bible to, um, to teach you that. But I'm going, we're going to make an assumption here that none of you would have showed up to learn how to study your Bible unless you were sort of already at that place, okay? Now, you may not be fully convinced of everything in the Bible. That's okay. God is patient. But for the purpose of tonight's class, I'm going to make the bo- the, just the bottom line assumption that all of you want to learn how to study your Bible and that you believe that it is God's Word. All right, now I could, we could do a whole class on proving that the Bible is the Bible um, without even using the Bible as its proof, okay? Um, if you looked into historical, archaeological evidence, uh, it could prove that the Bible is... It, there's no other manuscript or written uh, piece of paper that has ever stood the test of time like the Bible has. Uh, you could take empirical evidence... You, in other words, you could test the Bible out. It will always prove itself true. Um, you could take historical evidence uh, and go back and read some of the historical accounts and then find other things that back it up. I mean, there's nothing... Nobody's ever disproved the Bible. People like to think that maybe they found some sort of loophole. This has never happened. It's never going to happen. The Bible is the Word of God. And we could spend a whole class just teaching on that. But I'm assuming that what we're doing here tonight is not really proving that the Bible is the Bible, but actually learning how to study it. So I'm going to make that bottom line assumption. If the Bible is the inspired word of God, um, what implications does it have for my life? And um, there's, I put an A there and a B. Um, Creed. Uh, Whoops. You've got all these now, right? Whoops. All right. I have to go this way. There we go. You've got all these. Okay. Um, And so our creed is what we believe, and our conduct is how, how we act. If the Bible is, and I'm assuming at this point, that you all believe that. If the Bible is the Word of God, inspired Word of God, then how does it affect us? It affects what we believe, and it affects how we act. Some of us do one, not the other. Some of us do the opposite, vice versa. Um, It's not just meant to increase our knowledge. Um, It is meant to change our lives and how we live. Um, There are, uh, I'm going to read from you a, a, I don't have that quote. 
So conduct. Secondly, the Bible is our authority for how to act. It is where we find out what is right and wrong in God's eyes. It is how we can live in the righteousness of God. The Bible is to be our measuring stick for all of life's decisions. Okay? When we don't know where to turn, when we're not sure what to do, the Bible usually has some sort of principle that helps us live and act the way God wants us to live and act. And oftentimes it's countercultural to what the world would say. The world would say, go ahead, um, you know, get, go for the bigger promotion, get more money, uh, you know, it's every man for himself. Look out for number one. And the Bible would say, no, those that give, receive. Uh, it is the, um, those who, who are more humble um, and less sort of, uh, I'll take it, uh, that God rewards. And so there's, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive in those respects. And so the Bible needs to be our, our manuscript for living. And the more you know about the Bible, the more we can align ourselves with the principles of God, the more that you will begin to see the fruit and the blessing uh, that, that the Lord will begin to um, flow into your life. Does that make sense? Is everybody kind of following with me? I know, uh, I think I'm trying to say something and I, I think I'm dancing around it. But, um, and I'm close. But the fact of the matter is, it's not just supposed to be like, okay, I'm a Christian now, I've got to do my devotions in the morning and then I go live life the rest of the day. It's actually the opposite. I begin to incorporate the Bible as my blueprint for how to live and for how to act, okay? Um, and, and incorporate the principles therein so that my life will begin to show the fruit and the blessing of, of God on it. So, um, I put down here, how do I know if I'm making the right decision? And um, I think, I, now I know this is not comprehensive, this is not um, meant to be, but there are three main ways where, where God shows us his will. God's word, God's spirit, God's people. In other words, it is the Bible is one of the primary sources we can find out what God wants to tell us on how we're supposed to live our lives. And the principles therein never get outdated, outmolded, out, outgrown. They don't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Things, they're not um, fluid, okay? The principles in the Bible stand the test of time. And the Word of God will hold up even in a changing world where people say, well, that seems like an outdated philosophy for life. It is, that, that is not the case, okay? If you want life and blessing, begin to follow the principles of life. There's another way God will speak to us about how he wants us to live, and that's through his Holy Spirit. But part of that is reading the Bible. As we begin to, if the Bible is God-breathed, in other words, it's the Spirit of God breathed it into existence, then 
part of learning how to hear God's voice through His Spirit is beginning to listen to the Bible. And now I'm not just talking about listening with my ears, okay? Um, but it's also in prayer. Uh, it's also, um, you know, in, 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 in times of quietness that I can begin to, to hear the Spirit of the Lord, what He wants to say. So there, it's not always associated with the Bible, but it has, they are connected in some way. And then finally, God's people. Uh, God, if you will incorporate into your life some form of um, uh, personal connection with somebody you trust and love and develop a relationship with, they, they're sort of holding you to the things you want to do. And I think now of like a, uh, an Olympic athlete who trains uh, daily, they have, they have a coach, they have a, a trainer. And the trainer is trying to help them achieve their goals. Well, when you develop a sort of relationship that we'll call an accountability relationship, the same thing is true. It's not so somebody can police all your stuff, look for the dirt in your life, sort of rub it in your nose. It is so that they can help you achieve your goals. And if your goal is wanting to know God better, to have a life that's more pleasing to Him, and to begin to show fruit in that life, um, then that person will be the person, guess who God is going to go to when He wants to speak to you? He's going to go to the person that you've put up in your life that you'll listen to. I have a prayer partner that I, I have been praying with for you know, over a decade, and I, I know if God wants to say something to me about how I'm living, uh, if he wants to correct something, I know where it's going to come from. Now, that's not to say it couldn't come from someplace else. I have other relationships that it could come from, but it's probably not going to come from uh, Joe Schmo on the street. Um, I've had people who come in and say, you know, I feel like the Lord wants to correct this in you. And I go, excuse me, what's your name? Because um, I have a bunch of people I pray with, and I'm kind of figuring God would use them to correct me if uh, he really wanted to do that. So that's why you have other people in your life. God will use them to speak to you, okay? So three primary places for God to really... I mean, I think all of us, the premise of this is all of us want to live a life that is uh, more focused on God, has God at the center of it. We're learning how to grow in our relationship with Him where the fruit and the blessing of that is flowing out. And how is that going to happen? Well, those three things. And tonight is uh, number one. Uh -oh. Did we go backwards? All right. God's Word... Um, so, two-part series, God's Word. We're going to do a two-part series on prayer. Pastor Paul and Carlos's wife, Barbara, are going to do the, a series on prayer. And guess what, what that flows into? Wrong tool. God's Spirit. And then uh, we're also going to do a, a couple of things on the Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to talk about things like spiritual warfare and Holy Spirit baptism in this course. And then finally, we're going to do a part, uh, two-part series on 
community life and how to live in community, how to forgive and love one another despite our flaws, um, how to stay committed to others, the value of uh, the local church. Uh, all those sort of things are going to flow into that, that community life one. So in this growth series, which is about, I think, eight or nine weeks, we will cover all three of these things because these are your growth essentials, okay? As a Christian, a follower of Jesus, if you can learn how to do those three things, you will be well on your way, okay? You will be well on your way. Does that make sense? Everybody still with me? Okay. So, here we go. Um, how to study my Bible. I came up with an acrostic um, because I think there's, uh, what I don't want to do is sort of drill down Bible study into just Bible study. There's more, there's more to the Bible than, than just studying it. And so I, I, I came up with five things that really need to be incorporated into our daily sort of devotional, or at least um, for some of us, if this is new, Maybe more. some of them are on a weekly basis, wherever you're at. We'll talk about how to get a consistent pattern for, for working the Bible into our lives. But there are five things here. And uh, the acrostic I came up with is heart. Hear, explore, apply, read, and tell others. I'll give you a minute to write those down. Okay. So H, H for hear. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. Matthew eleven fifteen. 15. Um, how do we have ears to hear? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, how do we have ears to hear? What does it mean to listen beyond the scope of our physical ears? Okay, That's what I'm talking about here. Learning to hear God. When God speaks through his word. Okay, We have a phrase we're kind of fond of around here. God usually has a word for us in his word. Okay? And certain portions of scripture, certain parts of the Bible will become very real and very, uh, they will be, okay, let's, let, let me use another phrase. They will be underlined in the spirit for us by God at certain seasons. There are passages in the Bible I've read over and over and over. I have even studied. And yet, they didn't mean that much to me until God underlined them in the Spirit. Because he had something to say to me beyond just the words on the page. Okay? Does that make sense? Am I making sense to everyone? Okay? So, we need to learn how to hear. 
He who has ears to hear. This is Jesus says this all the time. I picked one passage, Matthew eleven fifteen. Jesus says it all the time. Almost every time he's going out to teach something, he says, he who has ears to, let, to hear, let him hear. It wasn't just a catchphrase. What he was saying was, bring yourself into a place where more than your ear is listening to what I have to say. Because I want to talk to your spirit. Okay? How do we do that? I put a couple of things up there, not an exhaustive list, but just listening to message. Listen to how other people, listen how to the men of God that God has appointed to teach have heard his word and explain it so that maybe we can hear something new. How many times have we come to a message on Saturday night or Sunday and we've heard something from Pastor Terry, you say, boy, that's, that's the Lord speaking. I hear that. I hear that. I'm hearing God through that person. Okay? Learning how to hear. And then, secondary and just as important, but secondly, I put up there, learning how to hear that for ourselves as we begin to learn to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to incorporate the Bible the word of God into our daily existence, you will begin to learn to cultivate an ear that hears. Okay? So that's a very important part of Bible study. Every time you read the Bible, you should start with prayer. Because if it is the Spirit of the Lord speaking, right? It is God's, God's word is living and active, like a two-edged sword, cutting through, separating, Okay. If you want if you want to be able to hear, oftentimes you need to begin with, Lord, I pray your spirit would reveal things to me that I do not know. Give me ears to hear. I'm about to open your word. I just want to acknowledge that you know, I could just read it or I could read it and listen for your voice. Help me to hear what you want to say. Even that simple act at the outset of reading a portion of Scripture is helpful to hearing what God wants to say. Okay. All right, E, any questions so far? Okay, let me just say this to you. We're going to talk about tools and resources and things that you can use to study the Bible. But um, if you aren't prepared to write down what God says to you when you're doing, you're doing your devotion, you're re getting ready to read the Bible or study it, he, why should he talk to you? I, I mean, I, I don't understand. If he's got something important to say to you and you're not willing to write it down, you're not really willing to listen, are you? If it's important enough for God to say it to us, it's important enough to write it down. And so I believe part of, of God speaking to us is being willing in our times of Bible study to be um, have the tools around us necessary to at least say, I feel like God's saying this. Do I have a way to write that down so I can remember? Okay? Um, e, explore. 
that's the bulk of our study. Um, that is Bible study, exploration of the scriptures. Uh, we're going to spend the bulk of the night here, so for time's sake, I'm going to skip it for now. We're going to quickly do apply, read, and tell others. We're going to come back to explore. Does that make sense? All right, so um, apply James 1.20, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Okay. Um, this is sort of the same principle as hearing. Uh, if God shows us something that needs to be corrected in our lives, if there is conviction, we use the word conviction earlier, if he reproves us, if there is reproof, and we don't make the necessary adjustments, uh, things might get a little bit quiet for a while. Um, because, you know, I've been here been there in my life where I'm going, God, why? I don't understand why I'm not getting anything. I, I'm not hearing anything new from you. And he's like, well, you weren't willing to listen to me on the last thing. Why am I going to talk to you now? Um, when you go back <laughs> and apply what I told you last, then I've got something new for you. Right? Okay, so... Um, Again, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. It's given to change our lives, all right? Uh, if I know people who, they get so enthralled with learning the Bible, they go to Bible studies every night, they, they just, they, they can quote passages of Scripture from uh, Habakkuk and um, uh, Ezekiel and places that most of us haven't, we haven't even read the book um, and yet their lives a mess. There's no forgiveness in their life. Bitterness spews forth from every word that's in them. Uh, and you go, what good is the knowledge if, if it's not changing your life? And so application is, I mean... Not only necessary, but I mean, it's, it is the driving force behind God, why God tells us things in the first place. He doesn't just tell us so we can go, wow, now I've got some stuff. Wait till people hear me teach on this. I got some stuff. He tells us so that we can change our lives. And sometimes, you know, um, there may be times when he shows something to us that we don't have the power to change. And then we have to humble ourselves and get other people involved in our lives to help us pray for things. And uh, maybe we get involved in something like Cleansing Stream where they help us deal with issues we're not struggling to get over and, and how to get, quote unquote, delivered from things. And it's not about, you know, um, casting out demons, it's about getting our lives in, in, in order and, and so that the power of God can move through the word of God and that by his spirit, there can be changes made. Okay? Any questions? We'll get, we'll get into this on our spiritual warfare night um, or two nights, I think. Huh? Sam, we're giving that one to Sam. <laughs> He's not here, so I'm joking with him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The in the 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 question was around the um, you know, when I, I felt like God was telling me, I'm I'm not showing you new things because you haven't addressed the old things you've I've already asked you to work on. Um, God is loving and patient and compassionate and um, and so maybe I didn't say that with as much grace as God would say it to us. But I have been firmly challenged by God at times to apply some things that I had been, um, uh, that I failed to do so. And so, yeah, God is loving, gracious, and patient, and yet um, sometimes that patient will lead to periods of uh, what we call a wilderness experience where God is not really giving us a lot of uh, mountaintop experiences because we failed to deal with uh, what he's been asking us to deal with. So, Okay, good stuff. Yep. So application, very important. All right. Um, I keep mixing these up. Read... Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed according to your word? There is a value to just actually reading scripture um, and um, you're... Okay, first of all, let me say this. I'm laying out for you a whole bunch of different principles. How this gets played out in the way you study and read the Bible is going to be different in every single life, okay? Just like every relationship has a different communication pattern, so, does all, so do all of we have a different communication pattern in how we relate to God. And you, what you're going to need, I can only give you tools and principles. You're going to have to work out what works best for you. I know people who get really blessed just by reading through the scriptures every year. They love to do it. It's like exciting. They talk about it. They start jumping up and down, start bouncing around, you know. And when, when I talk about reading through the scriptures every year, um, I don't have, quite have that bounce in my step. Um, but that's a personal thing, Right. But there are things you will get from reading Scripture that you cannot get from exploring Scripture. In other words, Bible study and Bible reading are two very different things. And you need to incorporate both. How much of one and how much of the other is going to be a little bit different for all of us. Okay? I personally love Bible study. And I would... I prefer to spend a couple of hours just digging into a passage. I might, for a year, I might say, this year I'm just going to study this book. And I will get all kinds of resources to help me, and I will just dig into that book for a whole year. And other people, they aren't wired that way. I understand that. But God does ask us to incorporate both Bible study and Bible reading into his um, into your practice because I will tell you 
that just by reading the word of God, right, the, all scriptures God breathed, right, the spirit of the Lord is in it, you begin to nurture life into your soul just by reading it. And the word of God gets in you. It gets in you. And at times it will come out of you because it's in you. So there are, you know, if you are solely focused on Bible study and you're only going to get through one passage or one book in a year, there's a whole lot of the word that isn't in you. But if you're reading and studying, then there's a whole, there's a lot of, there's, you got a kind of a two-pronged approach of getting more of God's spirit and his word into your life, okay? Now, um, this leads me to, well, I, I don't even own a Bible. What Bible should I get? So which one should I read? Blah, blah, blah. blah. Let's go ahead and address that now. Um, how many, well, I won't do that because I won't ask any, anybody to raise their hand in case they're embarrassed. But if you've never bought a Bible before and you're wondering what version to buy or to get, um, let me just say this. Number one, we use two, basically we use two Bibles here on, on the weekend. Um, we use the New King James Version and we use the New Living Translation Version. And the difference between those, those versions is one is really good for Bible study and another one is really good for Bible reading, okay? New Living Translation is what they call a paraphrase Bible. In other words, they will take maybe a paragraph or a sentence or a thought and they will translate that thought into very modern and contemporary language. And so if you're just going to read the Bible and you want it to read like a story, you're probably going to want to get yourself a new living translation. Now, that's the one we usually give away. Like at the start of the year, when we said, hey, let's all try to read through the scriptures together this year. We gave away new living translations because it reads much easier. It's, a, it's, it's, way, it's, it's more akin to the way we would talk um, if we were having a conversation with somebody. So... It has a, a great value in just that it flows much better. Now, uh, the New King James Version is going to, is going to be a word-for-word -word translation, okay? So they're going to look at the original language, and if any of you are language majors, you know how that works. Anytime you try to um, translate something word-for-word, -word, it reads... Uh, difficult at times. Um, and, you know, so the Greek might say something like, for thou ought not just because when love happens, you know, and you go, oh, that makes no sense, you know. Um, but that is how the Greek words would be written out or something, okay. So um, they, they obviously have to uh, pick and choose uh, which words to translate in which order. And, but it will be a word-for-word -word translation. So when you're studying it, you can go back and you could say, all right, well, this is the original, you know, this word is this word in Greek. This word is this word in Greek. This word is this word in Greek. You can't do that in the NLT because they just took a thought 
and then they just translated it in much more contemporary language. Does that make sense? Okay. There are three, really three types of, um, uh, three main types of um, translations. One would be the dynamic equivalence. In other words, when a word doesn't work quite right, they'll substitute a word, but other than that, it's word for word. That would be your new international version, your new American Standard Bible, um, Bibles like that. Word-for-word -word translations, the, the Old King James, New King James, uh, and I, I, I believe the ESV, uh, English Standard, uh, is also word-for-word. Uh, -word. Then you have your paraphrased Bibles, which would be the Message, the New Living Translation, the Living Bible, Good News Bibles, those sort of things, okay? Um, and if you've never read the message, that, that now, that's something all unto itself. I mean, the New Living Translation is, is contemporary language, but not quite like uh, the message. The message will, like, um, in uh, the book of Galatians 3, I think it is, the um, uh, New King James says, Oh, foolish Galatians. The message says, Listen, you blockheads. So... You get a feel for the sort of grittiness of the message translation there. Um, and, then, and, and so those, it, I could talk to any of you guys afterwards if you want more information on that. Hopefully that's helpful. Now the reason it's nice to get, now you could choose any Bible you want. A lot of people love the NIV. Most people choose the NIV because it comes in the most pretty colors. And honestly, I talked to a Bible manufacturer one time from Thomas Nelson, and, and it's like most of their Bibles sell because of what the cover looks like. And the, since the NIV is like the most common version, and they make it in the most like sort of cool, catchy covers, it's, you know, those are the ones that sell. Um, and you're certainly welcome to buy the cool, catchy, covered one. Um, but you may want to prayerfully consider having a New King James or a New Living Translation because, as I'm going to tell you in a second, uh, you need to memorize Scripture. It's convenient to be memorizing sort of the same Scriptures that everybody else memorizes um, so that, you know, as a body, if we're all going to be in the New King James, then most of us know it the same, same way. Now, you don't have to. I'm just saying. that's. I did it because Pastor Terry, well, first of all, the reason we picked the New King James over the NIV anyway was because most of the people who were on staff 20 years ago memorized scripture in the old King James, and they didn't want to have to change everything <laughs> by going to the NIV. So at least with the New King James, uh, there was only minor differences. And so, um, so they decided the New King James was going to kind of be our version. And then I got a new King James just because I wanted to kind of be on the same page as everybody else in the church. And if I memorized scripture, we were all memorizing the same scripture. So, okay, hopefully that answers your question. Just say, Joel. They're different, right? The modern King James is the old King James where all they did was change the thee and the thous to the, uh, to the thous to your or our or whatever, right? And then the New King James actually changed a lot of how words were translated. Yeah. Yes? Well, the Hebrew Church is a Jewish school, and it's a Hebrew. How come we don't have a Greek 
how come we, now wait a minute, the question is how come we don't have a Greek school now? Let, let me say, how, how come we being um, Cornerstone Church or how come we being... I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the second part. How come we, being cornerstone? Being Christian, okay. Um, that's a, okay, let me see if I can address this kind of on a two-pronged approach. We, being cornerstone, wouldn't use the original Greek because we would probably have five people here on Sunday morning. Um, and we want this to be our entire mission is to be able to reach out to a city that desperately needs Jesus Christ. And um, they have no familiarity even with an English version, let alone a Greek version. And so we want to find access points for people to be able to come in. That's why we don't say on Sunday morning, turn in your Bible to the book of James, and we're going to read a passage. Because the assumption then is, if you don't have a Bible or you can't find out, if you can't find the book of James, you don't belong here. And that's what people hear if they come in without a Bible or they have no familiarity with the text. So we love the Bible. We want everyone to have a Bible and we want everyone to learn how to get around in it. So we, now I'm talking cornerstone, we, we um, provide access points for you to bring friends who may not know Jesus Christ and they won't feel like I'm left out. Okay, so we will put scriptures in the handout or we'll put them on the overhead and we'll find ways to say, don't worry if you don't know how to get around in a Bible, you're okay here, keep coming. Now, we being the Christian church, how come we don't just go back to the original Greek and, um, and study scriptures in the original Greek well, some people do. Many, many do. Other people have a little bit more difficulty understanding Greek. And then I will, on a third, for thirdly, even the people that understand Greek disagree on how to translate the passage. And that's why you will see in different Bibles, um, diff it, some Bibles will translate words differently um, from the original Greek because it might have more than one meaning. And, um, and then uh, and the Hebrew as well from the Older, Older Testament. So it, that's difficult as well because people would still have uh, you know, disagreements about how a passage should be translated. Now, let me say this. Despite the fact that different tr tr passages are translated in different Bibles differently, none of the principles of the Bible or you know, uh, what we find to be true on how to live is ever in question. You know, it's not like they disagree with one another. It's only choosing a word here or there um, that you could say differently, but it doesn't change the meaning of a text. All scripture um, is also um, to be understood in light of the whole counsel of God and so therefore, if a passage seems like it's saying something um, that might be controversial or different than other passages, that has to be taken into account. Then you begin to read the Greek in a 
using all the other scriptures around that and saying, well, they can't mean that because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. And so here's how we're going to interpret that. So I hope that answered your question. Did it? Yeah. Um, and also, I think fourthly, uh, you know, not some people are just not very good with other languages. And uh, I had to take Greek for um, uh, the Bible college I'm in. I had to take three semesters of Greek. And um, as soon as I was done, I had a party. And, <laughs> and I took my Greek lectionary and burned it. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Sort of. <laughs> um, so some, for some of us, uh, other languages are, are pretty difficult. Okay. So uh, T, tell others. Um, Psalm 119.11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Telling others helps us memorize scriptures and then it also helps us to understand it better. Um, the reason, number one, the Bible was given to what? Increase our knowledge? No. Change our lives. Um, that's true even if you don't know God and you don't know the Bible. There are all kinds of people who are in uh, places in life where they need good counsel. If you, uh, if you begin to memorize scripture and understand portions of the Bible, you have the ability to speak counsel and wisdom into other people's lives. And when you do that, it does two things. One, it reinforces what you memorize. Two, it helps you understand it better because anytime you take a passage and you have to rework it and rephrase it in your own vernacular and begin to explain it to somebody else, you come away actually understanding it better yourself. So the Bible is meant to be given away. I can tell you this. I worked uh, 25 years um, at um, for um, a tour and ferry boat company on the bay. And um, the people I worked with, they were all longshoremen and they were, you know, all the, all the deckhands were hired out of the, the union hall. And most of their um, language was the language of the docks, um, not the language of Sunday morning, um, if you know what I'm saying. And... Um, and most of them, honestly, it was more like a construction site when, you know, girls walked by and the, the hooging and the whistling's going on. And it wasn't, it was not a great place to work if you're trying to adhere to all the principles in the scripture. And so what I found was, you know, the first 15 years I was there and I was, you know, the drinker and the partier and the... Um, uh, all that, they, they loved to hang out with me. They'd come up to the wheelhouse and we, they'd tell stories and they, they'd talk to me. And uh, the next 10 years as a Christian, my wheelhouse got very empty. Um, because when they'd come up there and they'd use the language of the docks, 
I'd say, boy, you know, I'm not real comfortable with that. And so they stopped coming. And I was okay with that. Um, but here's the deal. Every single one of those people, when they had a trial in their life, going through a divorce, a kid who was on drugs, whatever it was, they showed back up in my wheelhouse when they had problems because they knew where to go. They didn't want to be there, you know, just to hang out. But they knew where to go when they, they were having difficulty because they had seen the changes in my life. They had seen what God had done for me, and they knew there must be something there that can help me. And so when that happens, right, and those opportunities may be few and far between, depends on where you work and how open to people, to, to God people are. But in my, at least from my own experience, there were times in my life where people came and they needed a word from God. And if you don't have it in you, you've got nothing to give them. You've got no hope to give them. And so that is why it is really important to begin to develop some memorization habits. And I'm not talking about word for word. I wouldn't quote at them, well, you know, uh, you reap what you sow. <laughs> and um, therefore, <laughs> because you have the language of the docs, God is punishing you right now. Um, that's not what they need to hear, okay? Um, they need to hear life. And when you begin to memorize the, the principles in the Bible and, and the life that's in those words, you can speak life into people and give them hope, give them good counsel about how to make adjustments and... Um, and to, to get more fruit. And so all of us will have the opportunity, whether you're, you know, obviously Pastor Terry is the primary speaker, and so he's telling others every week. That may not be you, but you will always have the opportunity to speak some sort of life-giving principle to the Bible, of the, from the Bible into someone else. At some point in your life, it will happen. And if you haven't, um, taking the time to sort of commit to memory some of the things God has, and I'll use the phrase again, underlined in your spirit, and said, I want this, I want you to write this down. This is for you. This is a word for your life. If you haven't taken time to do that, you may not have the word to tell anybody else. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so... Let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back, and we're going to go through all the. Uh, we're going to go through the explore uh, principle and um, talk about uh, all the resources that I have on the tables over here. Sorry to try to rush you tonight, but I want to get through all the sort of. Uh, uh, resources and, and questions tonight so that next week we can do more of a focused study. Um, so, uh, Pastor Paul has joined me. And uh, Pastor Paul went to, you got your degree at Fuller, didn't you? Um, uh, Wheaton and, and then Fuller. 
So, okay. So um, in your handout, uh, there's three types of study. Can you turn me down some? Thanks. Okay, so let's do this real quick. Go ahead and turn yours off for now. Um, there's a few types of study. Primarily, when you're going to go do a Bible study, you're going to do one of three things. You're going to study a book, like the book of Genesis, the book of John. Uh, if you're starting in the New Testament and you've never studied, you're going to want to start with the four Gospels, the first four books of, of, of the Newer Testament, which is basically uh, the four stories of the life of Jesus from four different perspectives. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so if you're just beginning, I would suggest you start there, okay? Um, then, um, so it's, it sounds like it's me that's feeding back. Can you bring me down? Thanks. Uh, and then you can also do a character study like um, David, Moses, Paul. You can do a topical study. You can just pick the for, you know, a, a subject like forgiveness, oil, feasts, any of those. Um, maybe a little bit higher for me. I don't think you can hear me right now. Test, one, two, one, two, one, two. Test. Test. There you go. Thanks. Okay. Um, any questions about that? Does that make sense? A lot of different approaches. You might want to mix it up. Um, Sometimes I'll do books for a while and then I'll, it'll get a little bit old and stale and I'll switch and I'll say, you know what, uh, I'm going to do something like just study the temple of God that they built in, in the Older Testament and, um, and just read a book on the temple and start looking at different passages from different books that all talked about the temple. Read Hebrews, which is sort of uh, Paul telling us about how the all the Old Testament sacrificial system in the temple and all that was a shadow or a picture of some of the things that are actually how it is in heaven. And to begin to explain this, and the, the temple veil was torn in two when Jesus died on the cross, and all of a sudden there was, there was access to the very throne room of God through the death of Jesus Christ. And so there's wonderful pictures and, and things like that when you begin to, to do studies like that. Kai. Yeah, so we'll get into that when we talk about resources here. But the question was, um, how, how do we find resources for topics? And um, actually, it's in today's day and age of the e-book and um, electronic medium, you can uh, buy Bible software that will give you a topical study and show you every resource that mentions it. Um, so it, it's easier than it used to be. But like, if you're gonna if you're gonna pick forgiveness, there's all kinds of books on forgiveness. You get yourself a Thompson Chain Bible, which lists um, every scripture that has forgiveness in it, and you go start looking them up, things like that. Okay, so we'll get into that in just a minute. But that's a good question. Okay, what Bible tools are available to me again? If you don't have a pen and a notebook with you when you open your Bible, then that sort of says to me that 
you're not really expecting God to say anything that's worth writing down. Right? Um, and so, I mean, uh, that's not to say it. I don't read my Bible without a pen and a notebook anytime, but I'm trying to make a point. And I think the point is that it, you do need to expect God to speak to you when you, when you open your Bible, okay? Um, other resources avail, available to me, and here we go. So, Paul, take it away. Yeah. Any start anywhere you want. They don't have to be in order. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this is a Bible handbook, and uh, this is going to take you. This would take you book by book. It uh, it would discuss like major sort of My overarching name. major themes. Uh, in this case, I open to Leviticus, which is always a scintillating read. <laughs> We're in May, so we're throwing both of us. Yeah. My son, who's nine years old, he's, yeah, like Luke skipped Leviticus and Numbers. Just keep going, son. <laughs> Don't give up. Anyway, but th this would be interesting because, you know, those of us who, who don't understand what all the eating is about in these feasts, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a neat explanation of it. So, I mean, there's... Anyway, this is going to walk you through the Bible. There's lots of other things that will walk you through the Bible. Um, let, me just, let me just take the book of Ephesians, for instance. And maybe that's a way to kind of jump into a couple of these resources. So this is what's called, we were talking about Greek and English, and this is what's called a Greek-English interlinear. Um, basically, the way this is going to be laid out is uh, you'll have... The actual Greek language, and then underneath it, you will see the literal translation. So generally, it might be word for word. Occasionally, it's a phrasing. Um, but you, you can look, um, and you can kind of get a feel for what we were talking about earlier, how translation work is done and why when you move from one language to the next, it, it sort of verbs and nouns aren't in the same place. I mean, even if you, if you study French, for example, word order is different than English. Um, but this is a way, even though you don't know what's on the top line, which is the Greek, you can get a sense of how the translation work is done. And then this particular interlinear in the column, you have the New American Standard translation. And so you can kind of look at both of those, and they kind of talk to one another. And it's, it's a way of sort of getting into the original language without knowing the original language. Um, so you could do that with, for example, the book of Ephesians, then you could, I, I thought this was interesting, New Bottle Dictionary, um, and this would have everything from characters in the Bible to cities in the Bible to, you know, sort of brief introductions, outlines of books in the Bible. So on the topic of Ephesians, there would be uh, a section on the city of Ephesus, and you know, first thing it says, it's the most important city in the Roman province of Asia. All of a sudden you realize, oh, this tells me something about where he was writing. I mean, this was a, a significant kind of mover and shaker kind of city. All of a sudden I have a little bit more perspective on the book that Paul is, is writing. Um, but it also has a general 
uh, outline of contents, it talks about the destination, who he was writing to, um, it even gets into discussion around who, who authored the book, um, what was the overarching purpose. And so, in some ways, in, in, in study, you can sort of wade your way in to the study, depending up, upon your experience and your level of, of, of interaction. And even as you, for example now, this is an introduction to the New Testament, this might, you know, instead of having two pages, you know, we're talking 10, 12, 14 pages of chapter by chapter, overarching themes, digging in a little bit deeper. And the same is true when you get into selecting <coughs> commentaries. Now, commentaries can range thin paperback um, to, to volumes, to multiple volumes. And some of it, um, some of it is, you know, pretty intense. And if you don't know the language, then you may not benefit from everything that's being written in it. But uh, they're, they're just ways. And, and certainly, I know any of the pastoral team, the team would be available to kind of tell you, based on your experience, you know, what would be a good commentary um, to work with, depending on what your desire is and your experience. And this would be like an example of a commentary on just a book of the Bible. So this is G. Campbell Morgan, who happens to be one of Pastor Terry's favorite authors on the book of Acts. And so uh, this is something you'll need to find at a used bookstore, or, you know, a Libris or, or um, one of those online sites that has, um, uh, you know, Amazon sells used books um, through different booksellers, things like that. So it's out of print. You're not going to find it in print these days, but you can find it through, you know, um, through used bookstores. And um, that was, this is pretty manageable for a book of the Bible. Now, there are other, um, you know, like if you get a commentary on the whole Bible, uh, we have one there, right? Do we have a commentary on the whole Bible there? I think that was this one. Okay. No, maybe not. That's it's a survey. Yeah. This one right here. Okay, so this is a, a commentary. I'll, I'll lift it. You're yeah. back. <laughs> so, now, that looks really big, right? Like, of course, as Paul's kind of holding it, it just doesn't look very big, you know, big at all. It's so strong and muscular. And it looks like nothing. But, um, but you know, it looks kind of big. But you think about that. Every book of the Bible is, is uh, you know, somebody commented on there. So for each book, you're only probably getting maybe 10 pages. Uh, maybe at the bigger books, maybe you get you know 50 pages, but but that would be the most. Whereas this is only on one book. There's 66 books in the Bible, so if you got 66 of these, you see where you're going, right? Um, then you could get into like um, I believe um, there's like an 18 volume set on um, on Acts from somebody. Um, Somebody with a lot of time. Yeah, it was Calvin or Wesley, one of those guys. Calvin, Wesley, somebody. They, they had like an 18-volume set on the book of Acts. Now, you would have to be like a fast reader to tackle something like that. Um, but 
you could see the scope, the difference. You can get in a whole encyclopedia on, you know, just one book of the Bible.